What's going on guys? My name is Jeremy Graves. I'm a level three certified CrossFit trainer and former CrossFit affiliate owner. I would like to welcome you to the Elevate Trainer Development Podcast. I've been a full-time trainer for over 10 years now and I've worked with everyone from pro athletes to 90 plus year old seniors. As a member of the CrossFit HQ training staff, I have access to some of the best coaches within our fitness industry. Join us each week as we discuss everything that leads to being a better trainer. We hope you leave educated, inspired, and most importantly, elevated to new heights. What's going on, guys? Welcome back. We're on episode eight, and we are almost through with our five-week series where we're talking about the top five attributes of a great trainer. We started with um, care and empathy, you know, how it should be the foundation of your, your service. Then the episode six, we talked about open-mindedness, basically that trainers should have an open mind to different approaches to getting maybe the same thing done. So whether it's uh, basically different facets of our industry and how they can all be used to accomplish very similar goals. And you're only going to know about them if you have an open mind and go and experience them. And that was tied to um, what we talked about in episode seven, which was continuing your education um, you need a little bit of an open mind to have access to all the different things that are out there. And we we not only talked about what is out there, but different ways you could go about learning more. And some of them were a little more unconventional. Today, we're going to talk about um, a sound knowledge base. And, and the reason why uh, we're talking about it next to last is I, I feel that it is important, but it's maybe one of the less important of the five attributes we've talked about or and that we're going to talk about. Um, again, obviously, it's it's one of the top five. It's just not as strong as some of the others. And um, we'll talk about where that fits in um, over the course of the show. We, um, we've talked about a lot of different things so far. Um, we had our intro episode. We talked about program design. We talked about RXing workouts. We also... On episode four, we were like midway through this COVID-19 shutdown and and some different reactions and how people might be able to um, prepare and plan and be successful during all this time. And then we got right into the the five-week series. So we're looking to close that up and, and then we've got a lot of interesting topics that we're going to bring to you um, once this is over. And we had mentioned la- over the past couple of weeks that we had opened an affiliate. There was a lot of different things we were going to be um, using the affiliate for in terms of generating content and things to talk about. So um, I know the affiliate's definitely taken a lot of attention for me lately. So once everything is up and running, I'm really excited to basically tie those two ventures together and talk more about that. Um, we talked about the workout workshop Wednesday where we build a workout together and talk you through that process. 
That's a, an episode that we're going to be bringing to you guys, probably like a 15-20 minute episode that we'll also be putting some video content to. So excited about how we're going to use the, the affiliate to generate some uh, subject matter uh, for us to talk about on the podcast. I hope everybody is doing okay. It, it seems, you know, with this COVID-19 stuff going on, it looks like it's about to end. We're here in Texas and Texas, it looks promising. Today we we just opened retail stores and restaurants and movie theaters um, in a limited capacity, but they are open and hopefully gyms will follow um, quickly behind they're thinking mid-May. So I hope you guys are getting ready and getting your game faces on and ready for things to hopefully start to normalize. I know on the CrossFit front, um, as you guys know, I do I work for CrossFit and we I work on the level one staff. Those seminars have been shut down and we haven't been doing them for I've been going on two months now. CrossFit did a really cool thing. They launched an online platform for the level one for those who need to go and re-up their current credential. Um, that is super cool. I think if you haven't, um, if your uh, credential is about to expire, it's something you need to look into because we don't know when the seminars are going to kick back up, the in-person seminars that is. And that's a bummer. I know all of us who work those courses are really anxious to get back to it. So it's just been super weird, you know. Um but like I said, there's lots of different tools and ways to still provide value to your customers and your clients and the people who are looking up to you and looking to you for guidance. So outside of just in person being with them, right? So we've talked about it over the course of the past seven weeks and we'll tie another one of those um, key components into it today as we talk about having a sound knowledge base. So I think th- this probably won't be super in depth or, or drawn out tonight, we're just going to basically talk about you need to know what you know, but maybe even more important than knowing what you know is knowing what you don't know. And then also, you don't have to be a PhD to be a really successful, productive trainer. I think there's a couple of things in terms of what do you know that, that have to be met, right? A couple of pieces that you have to have in terms of an appropriate amount of knowledge to do the job, right? Number one, you need to make sure you know enough that um, you're productive so you're not just causing more harm than you are good. Like you have to know enough so that people are progressing, right? That's it's pretty obvious. That goes without without saying, I think, for the most part. If you don't know how to help somebody uh, make progress, get better, go in a certain direction relative to their goal, then you're not going to be very productive. Probably won't be very successful. The other thing is you need to make sure you're not um, counterproductive or it, like get getting people hurt. And I think that's that's probably the more important part of this. So you can, and let's break these things down. So there's the two components, I think, and those, those are the top two. Number one, are you, do you know enough to be productive? Number two, do you know enough that you're not going to cause anybody harm? 
And then once you have those two things that are met, you can, can we're talking about a minimum level to know enough to be productive. Because again, you're always learning. It's not like you have to wait till you know everything because you'll never know everything. Information's always changing. You need to know some basics. And if you know a basic amount of how to help somebody improve and enough of what not to do so you don't hurt people, you can be fairly effective and then significantly effective and then constantly be working on learning more like what we talked about last week, continuing your education, right? showing care and empathy so you're always communicating with your clients, seeing how they're feeling. You have an open mind to things outside of your current level of personal experience. If you do those things, you'll always be learning and growing and you'll be on the right track. But let's talk about enough to, um, what is enough to, to be productive? It, it depends on, it, we go back to like episode one, right? Or I guess episode two, program design. It depends on what you're training somebody for. Because if I am a endurance coach, right, who doesn't really do a lot of uh, GPP, I, I focus on endurance athletes and somebody is, you know, looking to get stronger, you need to know if you know enough to help them, right? Same thing about if you're a, a GPP coach and somebody's looking to really improve their weightlifting specific skills, do you, have you learned enough? Have you experienced enough? Have you received enough, enough coaching to be able to help people progress in that area? So this is a little bit this can be specific to the nature of the training. And that's that's fairly obvious. So let's just talk about in general terms. What are we talking about? Like, do you know enough? Uh, you are entitled to grow as a coach. Like, you don't have to start off being an absolute expert and authority on everything. Know your strengths, know your weaknesses. You need to have a basic understanding of human functional movement, right? What is your knee supposed to do and what is it not supposed to do? What's your shoulder supposed to do? What's it not supposed to do, right? How do you, you know, what is a braced midline look versus versus an overextended or collapsed midline? Like have an understanding about how the body functions. Number two, a very like this is even less important because I think sometimes people can get too carried away on this stuff. But a basic understanding of the internal operational systems of the body. How does the body process oxygen? What does the body do to fuel movement and fuel exercise? How does the body how do you like what's happening internally in terms of losing weight, gaining weight, building muscle, losing muscle, gaining strength, gaining capacity? So a little bit about right functional movement, a little bit about the biological functions of the body, a little bit about energy systems. This and there's a lot of great ways to learn that information. Obviously, we cover all of those in the CrossFit Level 1 course. Right, we're going to talk about how to 
analyze proper movement patterns. We're going to talk about energy systems. We're going to talk about what makes the body go, what, what, you know, how we use food for energy and what that energy is convert, how that energy is, or the food is converted into energy. We're going to talk at, at a baseline understanding of all these principles. That's why we love the level one course so much. It doesn't really leave anything out. Right, it covers all the bases in terms of somebody learning from scratch. And again, that is why it's called a level one. We don't try to pretend it's anything other than a level one course. We have plenty of, of educational content we offer after that, but it's just a great start. And I think if you are a if you're an accountant and you go take specifically the CrossFit level one course, you will learn enough baseline content to number one, provide a sound foundation of, of information to properly prescribe exercise right, to somebody who's newer. And then number two, know enough to keep somebody from getting hurt. Right, And I think the higher level that you're coaching at, the more experience you need to get someone started, to get someone off the couch, you need some baseline knowledge and you can be super productive. The more letters you have behind your name doesn't always necessarily mean you're going to be a better trainer. Your business card might be super sexy. Right? And I'm not saying you shouldn't pursue more education. I'm not knocking that. I'm saying don't let it be the sole focus, what you lean on. You don't have any other skills. All you're trying to do is – I'll tell you this right now. Some of the smartest people I know with the, with the most impressive credentials when it comes to actually applying that information in a real-world setting to real-world clients and athletes are some of the worst coaches. And they may be able to tell you exactly what's going on with the body in terms of ATP production and energy systems and what's happening when you eat this or when you're breathing at this heart or you know, operating at this heart rate and that heart rate. Like All that stuff is great. It's really fun to nerd out on and it's really fun to learn about and read and study. But it isn't the end-all be-all. I think there needs to be a – you know, people put too much emphasis on it. There needs to be a baseline understanding – and you need to continue to develop that understanding over time. But I think there's a lot of other things that play a factor. All right, so we said we, you need to know enough to, to be productive. But then at the same time, you, you're learning enough uh, of, of what information is useful to be productive. At the same time, you're learning what you probably shouldn't be doing with people. And a lot of that will come with experience, but there is some... Like when you learn what you should do, that usually goes right with things you shouldn't do, right? For example, back in that level one course we were referencing, when we talk about proper exercise um, execution or movement patterns or introducing a new element that we um, use in our training programs, we will talk about how to use it appropriately and that's automatically tied to how – people should avoid using a, a piece of equipment or a movement pattern. For example, we talk about the GHD. When the glute ham developer, right? When talking about how to use the GHD, we provide a protocol for properly exposing and introducing that implement to new clients. 
specifically new to the GHD. At the same time, we talk about how it can be hurtful and ways to avoid it. Right? So when you're when you're learning this baseline information, typically anything that's going to go against what you should do is maybe something you should stay away from. Basic principles like too much of one thing at one time, that's not good, right? Regardless of what it is. These are really simple concepts. You learn specific types of movement, right? We know that overloading the body to prolonged eccentric patterns can be really damaging to tissue. It's a really broad, really baseline concept. If you understand that concept, there's a lot of things you won't ask people to do, right? That'll keep them pretty safe. If you have a baseline understanding of rest to work ratios when it comes to interval programming, you'll learn how to be effective and you won't be working against yourselves. Right? I I think it's great to always be learning, but I don't think that just because someone has a master's degree in kinesiology that they're necessarily going to be a better trainer than somebody who might have a level one because the level one might be a more balanced trainer. Because what we've talked about this, what goes into being a great trainer, it's not just what do you know, it's how do you take what you know, break it down, give it, and give it to a client in digestible pieces so that they get better from the information you have. And it's all broken down into, it, it's all broken down and given to them through your interactions, which involve care and empathy. Yes, your knowledge base, what your attitude's like, right? You've learned this through continuing education or what you've learned at some point and having an open mind. So, th- like these five key attributes all work together. This, what do you know, isn't at the top of some pyramid. And I I don't even think it'd be at the bottom of the pyramid, actually. That's why I say these things are kind of fluid and they all mesh together. It's not, in, in my opinion, it's not like there's one that's more important than the other. If somebody knows a little less, if somebody knows about the biology of the body, right, but maybe not as much as another trainer, but the other trainer doesn't have as much care and empathy as the trainer that doesn't know as much, is one better than the other? I would say that the one that knows a little bit less about biology but has more care and empathy is probably going to end up being a more successful, better trainer. Right? If I if someone has a master's degree, and this happens all the time, if someone has a master's degree and has a very narrow appro- narrow-minded approach to what it is we do or their their fitness prescription, right? So they have a master's degree, but a very narrow-minded approach and they have their master's degree. So they kind of just close their mind to the rest of the world. So they don't do a lot of continued education, right? They have an attitude that kind of speaks to like, I know everything. I'm always right. I'm a little bit uh, full of myself, and then in terms of care and empathy, they're kind of like my way or the highway and don't have a lot of room for being flexible in how they interact with their clients. You just met somebody who's performing really highly 
in one specific area. They know a lot. They're very smart. They have a lot of knowledge. But they're going to do a really bad job of interacting with their clients, keeping their clients, maybe even putting together programs because they don't have care and empathy and they're not really focused on how their client performs in the program. But they're really smart. I would take I would flip that around and 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 often I would say that trainers who have a lot of care and empathy, positive attitude, they're always working to get better and they're starting at maybe a very entry level and they have an open mind, they're just they're they're a sponge. That trainer I would probably say is going to be chosen nine times out of ten. But the other guy's got a master's degree. Who gives a shit? Right? Unless you can put all of those things together. So I, I think, yeah, man, like when I listen to somebody talk, uh, when I'm listening to a podcast, when I want to listen to an interview or I, you know, there's a trainer that I look up to or a trainer that I respect – I do not want to go and look at their bio and see like where they go to school and what level of education they have. I listen to the experiences they've had, how many people have they worked with, where you know they, who they studied under, who was their mentor, you know how did they come to these conclusions? What do they say? Are they are they talking about? You know when I was working with this person, I learned this. When I was working with that person, I was learning this. When I you know, you can tell when somebody has a lot of practical experience and they've got a lot of education from hands-on exposure to clients, the industry, different ways of doing things. I'll listen to that person every time. Right? Somebody who flashes a fancy degree, they, they haven't necessarily put in the time with the people and it's not going to always provide the best base for great, you know, interpersonal skills. So I just want to be really clear that I think it's important to learn, obviously, right? We just talked about it last week, why it's important to always be learning more. But at the same time, I don't want you guys putting too much, and this is just my opinion. Again, you can say, who am I, right? And I'm not... You know, I may not be the next new coach on The Biggest Loser for the world to see, but I would say I've made a living being a trainer without a master's degree for the past 11 years. And there's a lot of things I lean on to continue to learn, and I'm always trying to learn more. But I don't feel like I'm paying, playing catch-up to someone who's got a degree or a credential that I don't have. If there was a credential where I valued the information that I'm going to that I'm going to get, that I'm going to learn, then those are the things that I pursue. I don't pursue things specifically to get some of those letters to put on my business card. This just not part of my evaluation process when I'm trying to figure out if that's information that I need to take in. Right. There's you know, there's a lot of different ways we talked about this last week to go about learning more and how it's going to look for me to have that degree is not part of my process I go through, excuse me, when I am 
deciding if it's you know something I'm gonna pay to go you know learn from it's it's just because again I'm after the information not the letters not necessarily the credential you know I love learning I love information sometimes people just use it as a crutch and they think because they they think they know more that maybe they're more qualified but it's how all of these things work together you know, we talked about my formal education, um, or I, I briefly did on episode one. I I went to to a major university, right? And I changed what I wanted to do a few different times, and I ended up with a degree in political science. Right, so I do have a bachelor's degree, but it's in political science. And when I was just getting out of school, I was like, man. You know, maybe I'll go to law school or maybe I'll be a police officer or, you know, like there was a, those are things, and those are things that I thought were important and I thought were noble professions, but I just wasn't like super excited and drawn to it. And fitness, exercise, strength and conditioning was something that I was drawn to. So I then had to, I was done with my bachelor's degree and I wasn't necessarily in a position to go back to school for another you know two years minimum to get a master's degree I was uh, I needed to work I needed to try to get my life started but I also if I was going to be involved in fitness now I needed to go to you know the more unconventional routes to start learning things so I, I started with a personal training credential and then it was a lot of experience and working with mentors and learning from uh, a lot of places that didn't give me a big fancy credential to stand on top of. So yeah, maybe you know it's not going to get me a job at a major university as a strength coach, but you got you know you have to figure out what your goal is and then make sure you have the qualifications to be successful in that field. I guess that brings up a good point. If my goal was to be a college or professional strength and conditioning coach for you know. Uh, a major university or a uh, organization at, at the highest level, then they might require some sort of master's degree or, you know, NSCA, CSCS, and nothing else will do in terms of what the, you know, and I have a whole opinion about that, but that's kind of the industry standard there. So unless you have that, it doesn't matter because they won't take you. But if that's not your goal, if that's not the ladder that you're climbing, then I think there's lots of different ways to build that really sound knowledge base to get started, right? And that just was never my goal. I wanted to be a good trainer. I, I, I wanted to you know, start small and grow the way I did, and that's been really good for me, right? And I would say this, organizations that I have worked for value the complete picture and the experience I have, references I've built. Uh, they've even I've even had some people talk with clients that I've worked with to get a picture of me as a trainer rather than just like, oh, that's odd. He has a degree in political science, not in exercise science. Right? There's been a lot of experiences that I've had and things I've learned after my time as a 
you know, bachelor student. So, and, and I and most of the trainers that I work with who are really really successful, who are are model trainers in the industry, um, come from some other educational track, like I just mentioned. Do I know trainers who have the master's degree and, and they went that track, they went that route, and now they're really, of course, yeah. But I actually know a lot more who come from the background that I just explained. Right, that kind of like mixed bag, find your way, lots of life experience and, you know, secondary non-university track study material. And, and they're, I mean, they're amazing, right? They are, they helped me build this framework in terms of what I think is, is important when you're to measure, you know, a successful trainer versus a, you know, a, a trainer that has a long way to go and some major gaps. These people come from more of the route that, that I had experience with. I mean, and and you would never, you would never know. There's so many people. I mean, especially as we go through like social media, there's these big, there's these trainers that everybody knows, and everybody looks up to, and you know, there's tra- these fan favorites within the CrossFit community and without. And you would never know. You would never even think to say like, oh wait, hey, what what level of education do you have? Like they show you what they know, and and, and they're so there's. It's such a sound presentation that you never even question where it's coming from. And, and usually that's because they do a good job letting you know that what they're giving you is a, is a mix of everything they've learned from everyone before them. They're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Right? It's, it's, it's them letting their clients and the world know they're a product of the environment and the industry. I think that's great. I think if I think that's definitely um, obviously it's it's what it's what I came from, and I think if if more people are open to doing it that way, um, they'll learn a lot more actually. Because again, some of the some of the formal co- uh, collegiate classes I took that did provide uh, some of my baseline information, introduction to physical fitness and exercise science, did not provide. <laughs> as much information as a lot of the programs that I participated in after school was over. Right? And in terms of CrossFit, obviously I work for CrossFit, I'm a CrossFit coach, I own an affiliate. The CrossFit courses that I've taken in the past and been a part of in the past have provided so much and, and, and are responsible for so much of what I've learned and how I do what I do. I, I mean, I think it's unparalleled. And I have taken a lot of other courses that aren't part of the CrossFit track. And they are a lot of great pieces to it. But CrossFit is just so comprehensive. And when, it, and when we start talking about movement, there's, it's not just, there isn't just a priority placed on what happens in the textbook and the foundational understanding that is there but then they do a, a better a better job better than anyone at putting your eyes on movers and watching the body operate showing you what it shouldn't look like and then showing you what it should look like 
There's just no one else that does it as well. There, there, there's no one else. Even like go to YouTube and Google anyone else's courses and you'll just see the quality of instruction and it's, it's really hard to argue with. And again, we've talked about having an open mind, exposing yourself to some of that stuff. But when you expose yourself to a lot of that stuff, you'll, you'll learn at the same time, like, okay, maybe I don't want to do something that way. All right, so it, it kind of goes both ways. The more open mind, more open-mindedness you have when going out into the world, you'll learn at the same time, hey, there's a different way to do things and there's maybe also ways that I want to stay away from. It'll make you appreciate what you know and what you have and what you've exposed yourself to even more. But again, it, it, it's all part of widening your view, adding tools to the toolbox, and, and just having the, the mindset of always wanting to learn more, right? Whether you end up using that stuff or not. So, you know, I, I think, I, again, I don't want this to turn into somebody taking thing what I said out of context like you know you don't need a master's degree you don't need to learn it's not important I, 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 that's not what I'm saying right education is key you have to know what you know and what your strengths are and you need to know what you don't know so you know where you can focus more and spend more time right if you know you're great with movement and you've got a great eye for movement and you know how to build a good strength program but you are just clueless when it comes to nutrition maybe that's where you're going to spend a lot of your time learning more so that you can become well-rounded and if you already know a lot about strength training i would say the first thing you're not going to go do right is go learn more about that when you have a gaping hole that needs to be accounted for in that lack of of information when it comes to nutrition programming right because you're just not going to be able to help people when it comes to that and when people come to you for general fitness i gotta tell you a lot of what they're going to need help with is what they're eating right so if you know that that's a weakness you can address it so it's just something to think about guys i um if anything I want this to be motivation for folks who think like, oh man, I just don't know enough to, to do that. Or why would someone listen to me? I've only got this personal training credential. I don't have a master's degree like some of the other. Like it just, don't let it be an excuse. Don't let it be a crutch, right? And if you do have right some serious education backing you as a trainer, make sure you're working on all those other pieces, right? Because then you take a, you take somebody who knows an awful lot and has a ton of experience and you add, right, an open mind so they're always interested in learning new things and they're, they're always exposing themselves to different ways of doing things. They've got a great attitude and they're inspiring their, their clients, right? And... Care and empathy is at the, the, the base of why they want to work with people. That's a pretty damn good trainer. That's somebody that I want to work with, right? Knowledge is power. Education is power, right? Just make sure you're, you're not forgetting all the other pieces too. So I uh, just wanted to touch base on that and, and explain why I have sound knowledge base as one of my 
top five attributes of being a great trainer. Next week, I'm going to talk to you guys about a positive attitude and how your attitude um, can greatly affect how your clients feel, not only about working with you, but about themselves. And, and you know, we'll talk about how that breaks down and can really affect, you know, the, the type of success or failures you'll have. Um, again, we're, we're hopefully towards the end of all this COVID-19 stuff. I hope everyone is staying safe and staying healthy. If you, if you are, you know, struggling as a, as a coach right now, then I encourage you to go back and listen to the fourth episode that we did where we talked about different ways to set up your business um, for success with all this crazy stuff going on. And uh, hopefully that'll give you a little bit of direction. I know it's it came straight from how I am looking to engage with different types of clients, uh, not only while this is this is going on, but after it as well. So hopefully it'll help a little bit. Um, stay safe. Look forward to talking to you guys next week. Have a good day. What's going on, guys? We are closing out our five-week series talking about the five key attributes of a great trainer. We've covered four of them already. We talked about empathy, open mind, continuing education, continuing to learn right after you've gotten into the industry and taken your first steps. But then also... Um, that a sound knowledge base is critical, but the more letters behind your name doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be that much better of a coach. And now we're going to tie everything together with how your attitude can affect the progress that your clients make or how you're able to interact with them. Um, so we're going to close this out and then we'll, we'll put a bow on the five key attributes of being a great trainer and we'll be ready to move on to some new subjects um, outside of this um, one little piece next week. So if we, if we were to talk about positive attitude and how it comes together with everything else, I think really what it is is it's your expression of all these other things. So what do I mean by that? Um, if you have empathy and an open mind, you're always learning and growing, and you have a sound knowledge base, but you're not just leaning on that so much that you think you're smarter than everything and you know it all, then what's going to come across is a trainer that is balanced, compassionate, wants to help, knows enough to help, and knows how to um, give that to their client in a digestible manner that isn't giving or doing too much. Right, and by positive attitude, I don't just mean a, a, a fake smiley face in terms of uh, you know putting on a, a show when you're with somebody. I'm talking about really and truly understanding that we're here for other people. It's not some inconvenience that we have to get up at five o'clock and go train somebody in the morning because that's the only time they want to train. You put yourself in the position, so if you show up tired and acting like you don't want to be there how in the hell is that person supposed to be motivated inspired and do better than they would if you weren't there right it's just not possible so i think it starts with a mindset and the mindset that we need to have that will lead us to having a positive attitude relatively speaking most of the time is this 
um, idea that number one, we're lucky to be able to do what we do, to be able to help guide people to a better, healthier way of life is a blessing. It's a great job. There's a lot worse things we could be doing. But then number two, um, it's something that isn't to be taken lightly. You have literally got someone's health, wellness, and happiness in your hands. And you can push it one direction or another. And it's something you should take serious. Right? It's heavy. Not only is it you know a gift and something to cherish that we get to do that, but it's important. And we need to take it seriously. And if we do both of those things, I think that most of the time on a daily basis, regularly, uh, generally speaking, we're going to have a good attitude when we engage people, right? And I don't just mean, again, this phony, big, cheesy smile. Oh, hi. How are you? Yeah, I'm sorry. Like people can tell that shit from a mile away. I'm talking about really and truly understanding your role in that person's life and acting accordingly, right? When you're with somebody, you got to remember, we have eight clients a day, 10 clients a day, five classes a day, right? So 50 clients a day. I used to run into this. And again, we, we've talked about this before. None of this stuff is like me talking at somebody. I've been through these things. I've lived these situations. I've lived these experiences. And I've had to learn the hard way. Um, my fifth class of the day never got the same energy that my first class of the day got. And when I was younger, I used to think like, oh man, like they don't get it. I'm just tired. All right, I've done that. I've taught this workout five times today. It's, you know, same question, same this, same that. Guess what? The five o'clock class is there for their one hour of fitness a day. Or that sixth client of the day, and you had one at five, and now this one's at, you had one at 5 a.m., and this one's at 5 p.m. They don't they don't know or they don't care necessarily and it's not their job to care so you can't be mad at them for that that you've had four people before them or four classes before them this is their one hour with you and they probably paid really good money for it so it's your job to make sure that you have some time to get your mind right before you work with that person because for all you know they might if it's uh, like trust me especially in like the crossfit gym setting these people have been looking forward to getting to that gym all day they've been looking forward to see you to seeing you and seeing their friends and doing that workout and getting out of their work clothes and putting on their 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 tennis shoes and putting on their gym clothes all day and if you come at that come at them with some sort of shitty attitude because you're tired or you've been there all day, number one, your professionalism goes right out the door. Right? Number two, it will immediately affect them. They might start to feel a little bit insecure. They might start to feel bad. Their 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 sense of comfort with the whole situation, whether you realize it or not, has dropped a little bit, and you'll have to do something to get that back. I'm not saying you can't get it back, but it's not off to a good start. If it's something that you're able to shake, I think, you know, like sometimes it just takes a second to get in a groove and you can shake those things off, but let's say you stay that way, right? You're not asking them how their day went. You're not really engaging with them in honest and open conversation, talking to them about their work or talking to them about their family or talking to them about 
that sore hamstring that they you know got last week you're you're just kind of disengaged and checked out that person's going to automatically be doing the same thing and you're just not going to get the same response that you would have gotten if you were to be a little more open and honest and even talk with them about how you're feeling. Do it with you know with with a smile and some openness. But even be transparent with them. They're transparent with you. Show them the same sort of honesty and openness, and you'd be surprised how that would build the relationship even more. Because then I guarantee you, you'd snap you'd snap out of it, and you'd be kind of back to normal once you guys gotten in a groove and you've got some good conversation going. What they don't want to hear is just you complaining about how tired and you know, out of it and ready to go home you are because, again, they're there for – they've paid for now of your best work and you expect them to do the same, so you both need to bring it. Our, our attitude can go a long way. They feed off of it, right? We also need to be able to adjust how we interact with people and what type of attitude or presence we have. Now, I learned this in playing sports – um, and coaching sports, but there I responded to a certain type of coaching when I played when I played lacrosse, especially at the collegiate level. Um, our our lacrosse coach had one style, and his style would shut a lot of guys down. I know a lot of guys who would play uh, who could play really well, and then when coach interacted with them a certain way, they would just shut down. And the same coach interacting with different guys the same way they would thrive and the best coaches know that to get the best out of each player they might have to coach players differently it's the same thing with your athletes you might have to interact with one person by pushing them really hard and being aggressive with them and another person you might have to really back off and show compassion and 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 keep it mellow to get again it's not about you it's about them and if you just don't if you can't train somebody that way if that's not your style you can't adapt and you can't be versatile then it's just going to limit we've talked about this before it's going to limit the population you're able to serve right so number the second part of that is being versatile with the type of behaviors we're able to you know put out and work with depending on the person that we're working with Our attitude, you know, being positive or negative or up or down, it really can do so much to build a person's confidence and inspire them. And and that's part of what we're here to do also, right? We're here to motivate. We're here to help people understand that they're capable of more than they thought initially they they were maybe capable of. That they can do things they thought they couldn't. That they can work harder than they thought they could. They can last longer than they thought they could. They can stay away from that negative influence. They cannot eat that. They can work out this often. They can go to bed at this time. They can stay away from that drink. They can put that cigarette down. And you might not ever get to those core issues if you don't have an attitude that is disarming for them. And here's another big thing to watch out for that I think I see even more often is obviously sometimes we gravitate towards, and this is, to me, this would be a sign of professionalism, like of a real trainer. 
somebody who's doing this thing for the right reasons. Sometimes we gravitate towards people who are more like us. They like to train like us. They have the same goals as us. Maybe they're similar in terms of what they uh, want or what they're capable of. Oftentimes, you don't see a lot of trainers training people who are, I mean, on the other end of the spectrum. Like a super, super fit guy, super, super fit girl working with somebody who's completely starting over. And we, in uh, in CrossFit, our founder has actually addressed these populations. Right? We, he calls them, they're, they're referenced as neglected populations. People who maybe we're not interested in filling the gyms with or filling our rosters with. Elderly, overweight, sick. And the problem is, these people need it the most. And we might have an attitude of like, oh, I don't want to work with that person because it won't be as fun, right? Or there'll be a lot more work. Or when we do take those per- those people, maybe we don't connect with them in the same way as we would with people we have a lot of shared interest with. But again, I want to remind everybody that part of our job is connecting and building relationships with these people, not just people that we share an interest with, right? So every day we walk into the gym, we need to remember that we're blessed and it's a gift to be able to do what we do, that we hold somebody's health, happiness, wellness, to a certain extent in our hands, and we can push them towards being passionate about stuff like this or push them away from it So they go back to what they were doing, maybe even worse off because they had a bad experience with a trainer at a gym, right? And we can inspire them to to hope and dream and wish to be the best version of ourselves, which I know at the end we all want to do. So how do we do this? I think, first of all, maybe just understanding that we, we've mentioned this before too. If you're not in this for the right reasons, it's going to be tough to make all these things happen. But if you are and you and you just want to find a way to put these things into good practice, I think number one, just having making sure we reflect and think about why am I doing this? Um, do I believe in it? Is it something I'm passionate about? And, and giving yourself time to think about what it is we do and why. Number two, it... I think it's important to not work yourself too hard. Um, And I know, especially with personal trainers, the more trainers you can fit in today, the more money you're going to make, I get it. But at least give yourself, I I mean, 10 minutes in between clients. I used to take clients back to back to back to back. And, And working with five people back to back to back for five hours is not the same thing as sitting at a desk and working for five hours on something. Like you have to be on, you're moving, you're picking this up, you're moving them here, you're looking at this here. You're just, I mean, you are on, you're moving, you're working. It's very physical, it's very tiring. Five hours of back-to-back-to-back training is exhausting. And what I recommend, and, and you're just not going to be as on on hour five as you were on hour one. So one of my recommendations is, is don't take big chunks like that if you can avoid it have a break and also not only have a break a, a big chunk in, in kind of like the middle of a large block but give yourself 10 minutes 
in between sessions, 10 minutes. So you can go and put some water on your face and take a deep breath and get your mind right for the next person and kind of process what you did with uh, client number one or class number one and prepare yourself mentally and emotionally, you know, physically to do it again for the second class. If you had a little longer than 10 minutes, it'd be even better because you can kind of close out conversations you had or, or any anything you need to with the first group and you can prepare and start to do the same thing with the next group all the while you got a little bit of water you took a couple of deep breaths maybe you sit down for a minute and, and rest your legs rest your feet and just I mean I once I started doing things like this I would do something like as silly as this I would go up to my office I would take some water I would just close my eyes for a minute I would change my shoes, which you can you can't like if you don't do this when you've been on your feet for one hour. It it feels amazing, like when you go and you change your shoes, your feet feel better, your legs feel better, your back like everything just feels better, just from changing your shoes. And if I would do that, get some water, maybe pop a piece of beef jerky or something, right? Close my eyes for a second, take some deep breaths, just sit and, and let it be quiet for a minute change the shoes, walk back downstairs. I was like a new person. 10 minutes. And I did much better, right, working with consecutive classes or clients with those little breaks than when I would just go back to back to back. Because it's just a second to get your mind right, to remember like, yes, I'm tired, but I need to be on now. To think about it. And give yourself that second to understand your role in that next group's you know overall experience at that gym or with you as a trainer i think it all comes down to just remembering it's not about you right we're there providing a service and it's an important service and and we need to have that mindset going into every session and if we do that that will guide our attitude and it will um it will come across as we interact with people throughout the day. All right. and, and if we look at putting all these together, I think they're all tied to one another. Right? If, if I were to put it together in like a little pyramid, I would think that the first thing that needs to happen is you need to know enough to want to do the job. So like for example, I have like you can't be a trainer and know nothing about the human body and how it functions and what makes you stronger, what makes you weaker, what happens when you get sick, you know, how this joint moves, what's orthopedically sound or what's, um, you know, what's proper movement patterns, what's improper patterns, how to spot a flaw, how to fix a flaw, how to tell somebody what they should eat, what they shouldn't eat. I mean, but with all that being said, I think there is a baseline amount of information. That's why we said knowledge is power, but you don't need to have a master's degree. Right. Once you have a baseline level of information, you go and take a level one course or you, you get an entry level personal, tra personal training certification somewhere, you have enough to get started because you're going to continue to learn the whole time. So I would put that as, as the base. You have to have a little bit of, of knowledge, right? Then I would say the next piece built on top of that sound knowledge base is you have empathy for the people that you're going to work with. Built on top of that, 
continuing education. You're always going to learn. You're always going to grow. Have an open mind. And at the top of this is your positive attitude. But that's not to, I, I don't, you know, maybe it would work together as like a better as a Venn diagram or something, but because I don't think any one of these is more important than the other, but they certainly can't exist without one another. They're all intertwined. Somebody that has a positive attitude and knows enough to get started and has an open mind, right? That open mind is going to lead to them continually continually learning and wanting to know more and grow as a trainer, right? And the more you learn, the more you the, the more you learn and the more you know and the more you start to realize you don't know, it helps build empathy because you you start to think about other people besides yourself and you feel for other people and what their experiences are and you start to realize that you don't have all the answers but you have some and you just want to help and maybe there's people that you can't help and you can point them in a different direct uh, different direction and it just all these things make you not only a better trainer but you'll just be a better person insert any industry there you could be a banker you could be an accountant you could be a doctor and if you have these attributes right i think you're going to i think you could do okay I mean, I don't want my neurosurgeon just getting started knowing the basics, but I'm saying like, you, you get what I'm saying here. These five elements could make you good at a lot of different things because, you, you again, you have the mindset that you're always going to be learning and growing more. Every day, every experience. And your open mind is going to keep you from limiting yourself to certain exposures. You'll try anything. You'll learn from anyone, right? Even your clients. And that will develop a a certain level of empathy because you're listening to them. You're learning from them. You want to know what's going on with their life, how things feel, what their experiences are so that you can serve them better, right? And, and, Again, I'm not. I, I don't want to act like trainers don't need to have a um, a certain educational background or knowledge base to get started on this. They do, but man, I I think you you could do a hell of a lot of good work without being the the highest educated person around, as long as you know a few things. And so that's where all these things come together to build this always evolving, ever changing professional who is thinking about how they can do a better job and wanting to do a better job all the time. Um, One of the reference points I have for this is oftentimes, and we'll we'll do a whole podcast on this, but people ask uh, those who uh, people ask trainers who have passed the CrossFit level three exam. And again, I know I reference CrossFit a lot and that's because I'm mostly talking to CrossFit coaches here, but people ask us, how did you study? What did you do to prepare? And most trainers that I know who have taken this, uh, especially the ones on staff, but who have taken this exam, 
we all kind of respond the same way and it's that there wasn't any dedicated study or prep time when we got ready to take that exam and that shocks people or they'll think we're just making it up we're lying and we don't want to say how we prepped for it but it's not that we didn't prep for it we prepped for it for years we always studied we are always learning we are always growing in every opportunity we had to learn and then put what we learned into practice, we did. And so I studied every day for 10 years. And that's how I prepped for the level three test. So when it came, when it came time to take it, I was like, if I, if I don't pass this test, then I, I have been doing everything wrong and reading all the wrong stuff for the past, you know, back at that time, eight years. So I guess I, you know, I guess we'll just take it and see where we, where everything, where the chips fall and things worked out okay. But again, that's because I had that, I had an open mind and I had the, the desire to constantly pursue knowledge and information and grow and change. Right. And yes, I, I had a knowledge base, but again, it, it wasn't, uh, I don't have a master's degree in exercise science and I, I did just fine in those areas that required me to have a little bit of, of knowledge on that subject matter, right? And I've done just fine with my clients um, that I've worked with over the years without having some of those, you know, master's degree exercise science or kinesiology and a CSCS because... You know, the National Strength and Conditioning Association is the end-all, be-all. And again, like not, I don't want to knock on those things. They just weren't for me, and it wasn't my path. And they also didn't specifically align with the things I wanted to do. So they, they weren't things that I pursued, but um, I thought about it at one point, and, and then I would just kind of went different avenues and, you know, learned um, in different ways. But it's never been something that has held me back from, um, I would say, being successful in my mind at what I do. So, you know, when closing out this discussion of what it takes to be a great trainer, I would say the there are so many other things, right? Seeing and correcting, right? Managing a group or manage client management, right? There's lots of there's programming. Right, you know, exercise program design. There's so many other things, but I would say, if you had these five elements, these five attributes, and you were constantly developing and growing in within them, it will lead to success and development of those other areas, like little things I just said. And then. I think you're on the right track and you're going to be successful and you're going to be able to help people, which is what our goal is. And the more people you're able to help, the more successful you are as a trainer, the the better you'll better off you'll be in the industry. Right? So, um again, the, these are building blocks. Lots of other things that lots of other traits that trainers emulate who who do a great job, but you know, in my opinion, I think these are some building blocks and provide the base and the foundation for all that other stuff. So, 
just something to think about, and I hope that was helpful for you guys. Again, if we were to review our five key attributes of a great trainer, um, the first one was show empathy. The second was have an open mind. Number three was trainers um, always pursuing more knowledge and, and continuing their education throughout their career. Uh, number four. Uh, for knowledge is power, but it's not everything by knowledge. I'm talking about subject matter um, knowledge base. And then number five was having and demonstrating positive attitudes um, to the people we're working with. And that all of those elements flow together to basically be the, the, the part of us that interacts with the client, right? This is what the client sees. This is what they feel. This is what they hear. This is what they see when they um, look at their experience with us. So hope that was helpful, guys. Um, we are coming up on that the end of the second month of, of this you know, government and, and country closure. It's uh, Hopefully, it's coming to an end, gang. It's I know here in Texas, things are about to start to open up. They are, things are opening up, but gyms specifically, it looks like on the 18th, our gyms are, are going to be opening up and people will be able to get back to work. I know everybody is super eager and excited to get back to doing their job. I think um, all of us have become a lot more appreciative of our jobs and being able to support our families and do what we love. I know... Um, from my perspective of our seminar staff job, I haven't worked a seminar in two months. And as somebody who's relatively new on staff, I wasn't ready for a break like that. You know, I'm still learning and growing and um, becoming who I am as a seminar staff trainer. And even though I'm new, this is the biggest break I've had um, outside of my injury. So when I came back from my injury, um, I just wanted to work as much as I could and you know, now this happened. So it's, um, and, and for those of you who don't know about my injury, I was in a, I was in a motorcycle accident and that sidelined me for a good six months. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that and recovering from injury and how that can help, um, how that can help you relate to clients more and be a better coach. So, um, we'll talk more about that, but yeah, I'm just, I'm ready for the country to open up. So we host, we, you know, gyms are hosting seminars and we get to put our red shirts back on and go do what we love, which is teach those CrossFit um, level one seminars and help new coaches get started on their journey. So I know everyone's excited um, for the country to open back up and they're missing their friends and, you know, trying not to blow their houses up. <laughs> so everybody just, Hang in there, and it's it's looking like a, I think we can all see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, and everything should be back to normal soon. So everybody stay safe, stay strong, work hard, and reach out with any questions you have, and we will be back next week with another episode. Talk to you soon, guys. Bye-bye. What's going on guys? My name is Jeremy Graves. I'm a level three certified CrossFit trainer and former CrossFit affiliate owner. I would like to welcome you to the Elevate Trainer Development Podcast. I've been a full-time trainer for over 10 years now and I've worked with everyone from pro athletes to 90 plus year old seniors. As a member of the CrossFit HQ training staff, I have access to some of the best coaches within our fitness industry. 
Join us each week as we discuss everything that leads to being a better trainer. We hope you leave educated, inspired, and most importantly, elevated to new heights.